We started out in this sermon series a few weeks ago talking about how important it is to let go of our past. Because we can't, we can't be who God wants to shape us into unless we let go of our past. And, and then we took this deep dive into who created your identity? Is your identity something that God created, or is it something that you created, or the world created? And once we realized that, once we looked into that, we also found out and realized that if there's a difference between what God wants us to be and what we are, then there needs to be change. The big key about that is that the change that is required is going to be up to us, right? We've said our entire lives that we are so thankful that God does not change, right? He is, in, he is unchangeable. But there are times in our lives we say, I like my identity and I want God to change to accept my identity that I've created for myself. That's asking God to change. God doesn't change. Right? The change comes down to us. This morning, we are going to take a deep dive into your new identity. I'm not going to lie to you. I've sat in your seat before. And I've, I've listened to a pastor speak on this idea of your identity in Christ. And I'll be honest with you that there's times I might have walked out of the church listening to that sermon saying, you know what, I, I, I don't get it. I really don't get it. My goal today is to make sure that you understand why your identity in Christ is important, but I want you to see what it's all about. The last thing I want to do this morning is come up here and stand up and just spew a whole bunch of Bible words. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you this morning what your identity in Christ looks like. Because there's a really good chance that you're still focused on your own identity in your own mind. Right? If I say, what's your identity? You're not, you're not thinking about your identity in Christ. What's coming to mind is your identity that's in your mind. It's really hard sometimes for us to see ourselves through the eyes of Jesus. And as a matter of fact, sometimes we don't want to, because if we were to look at ourselves through the eyes of Jesus, we might not really like what we see, right? We might be shameful about what we see. You know that there is a major difference between the, what, the way the world identifies you and the way that Jesus identifies you. You want to take a guess on what's more important? I bet, I bet that I can tell you how the world identifies you. The world might identify you by the color of your skin. The world might identify you by your education level. The world might identify you by how much money you make. The world might identify you by the success of your kids, or, or maybe it identifies you by your actions or by your hobbies. The world might identify you by the language that you speak. And when the world identifies you by these things, the world attaches to you a, a value. In our world, our world likes to identify you based on its own value system. 
You recognize that we don't like to nod our head to that, but we know that there seems to be a value system out there, right? Do you know that being identified from Christ's eyes, listen to this and stay with me, you have no value. Wow, I know that kind of sounds weird to hear from a, from a pastor, but through the eyes of Jesus, you have no value. And I can only say this about value in relation to something else, because value means that you are in comparison to something else. You know that in the eyes of Jesus, every single one of you has so much worth, it is immeasurable. You cannot measure immeasurable value. See, value equates to a discount. The world puts a value on your identity. Jesus doesn't. There is no dollar figure associated with you. There is not an amount of love associated with you, not an amount, because the amount of God's love for you is not measurable. Worth is what all of God's children are. I don't want to be God's value child. None of us Believers in Christ are God's value child. You are not a value child. The world is going to look at your value. Jesus does not look at your value. Do you see the difference between worth and value? When you're shopping at the store, you see something on sale. You say, that is a good value. But you only see it as a good value compared to what it was priced at last week. Right? You go through the drive-thru and you order yourself a value meal because you assume it's the idea that it is discounted. Let me tell you, in the eyes of Jesus, you are not a discounted child. You want to talk about an identity. You are literally invaluable. You are not comparable to anyone else in the eyes of Jesus. He doesn't hold you up to anyone else in the society. We're going to take a look at your identity but not in Christ. Today we're going to look at your identity through the eyes of Christ. Now before I start on this list of, of qualities, I want you to know that what I'm talking about is how Jesus sees his children. Okay? This is how he sees those who believe in him, those whose souls he has, he has hold of for eternity and are going to spend eternity with him. This is how God sees those who believe. If you are saved today, I'm so thankful because I want you to see today how Christ sees you. If you are not today, Thank you so much for joining us. This is an amazing day to be with us, to see how Jesus sees you and to see that it's so much different than how the world sees you or even how you see you. As we look through the eyes of Jesus and how he sees his children, I want you to compare the way Jesus sees you and the way the world looks at you or maybe even how you look at you. 
there are five attributes that we're going to look at this morning, and I want you to write these down because we're going to talk about these on Monday night. First is this. In the eyes of Jesus, you are a saint. It's going to be up on your screen in just a moment. In the eyes of Jesus, you are a saint. Some of you might come from a, from a Catholic background where you're familiar with different saints. And, and some of you not from a Catholic background, you might not know the difference between St. Nick, St. Patrick, and a St. Bernard. But saints, we all have this idea in our mind on what a saint is. And, and a saint is connected to, we all think of saints being connected to the faith, right? Do you know what the Bible says it means to be a saint? It means to be a member of the house, to be a member of the, of the family, to be a brother or a sister in Christ. It means that your identity in the eyes of Jesus is not that of a sinner, rather is that of a saint. Remember, there is no value system in the eyes of Jesus. So think about who it is in your mind that you can think of as the most saintly person. And that's how Jesus looks at you through his eyes. Because you are not a value saint. You are a saint. Amen? We associate saints with the church and with faith. And we associate saints as being people that are distant from sin. But I want you to see that's how Jesus sees you. The fact that you have placed your trust in Jesus is enough to qualify you as a saint. Even though you still struggle with sin, you're not seen as a sinner in the eyes of Christ. You are seen as a saint. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 19, Paul writes this, he says, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. When Paul would write letters to different churches, Paul started out most of his letters writing to the saints among you. I'm going to get this up on the screen. Watch this. We're in Romans chapter 1, verse number 7. Paul writes this, he says, To all of you who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul again opens up the book like this. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy our brother to the church of God which is in Corinth with all the saints who are in Achaia. Philippians 1.1, Paul starts again, greetings, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and the, de and, and the deacons. Paul is not writing letters specifically to guys in pointy hats wearing purple robes who are walking around in flip-flops. He's not. He is writing letters to believers and saying, you are saints. Isn't it amazing that Jesus looks at you as saints? Here's the second, the second way that Jesus sees you through his eyes that I want you to write down. In the eyes of Jesus, you are appreciated. 
through the eyes of Jesus, you are a appreciated. I wonder if you have ever felt unappreciated. I think every mom would at some point say that she has felt unappreciated. As she walks through the house, picking up toys, picking up dishes, picking up clothes, putting them back in the, in the dishwasher, putting them in the toy box, right? Putting the clothes in the washer and the dryer and, the, and then back where they go. Moms would say, I have felt unappreciated. I would bet that there are some dads who go to work every day and they come home after the sun has gone down, rarely see the kids, but they keep going back and forth to get that check so that they can keep a roof over the kid's head. And then at one point they get called into the school, into the principal's office, right? And you walk in and you sit down, you get home, and before you go to bed, a dad would say, you know what, I'm just, I'm just not appreciated. Do you know that God notices and appreciates every good choice that you make through your life, even when other people don't? God appreciates that. Guess who knows how hard it is to live life as a Christian? Jesus does. Absolutely. He told us all over the New Testament in, in the Gospels. He knows being a believer is not easy. Living Christ-like is hard. In our culture, it is hard. Living Christ-like it requires a proper behavior and proper decisions. You know who sees your proper behavior and your proper decisions? Everyone. God certainly does. But so do your friends. And so do your neighbors. And so do your parents. And so do your siblings. Every day when I drop my kids off at school, they happen to be here, so they're going to be embarrassed here. Every day when I drop my kids off at school, I tell my kids something, and I want to tell you this this morning, and they'll repeat it back to me. Here's what I tell them. Remember who you are, and remember who you represent. Remember who you are, and remember who you represent. Of course, everything that my children do, would be fair to say, it's representative at their age in elementary school, it's representative of, the, of their parents, right? But every thing that they do, all of their actions are representative of God. Everything you do or everything you don't do represents God. Do you know who appreciates you representing him very well? God. Do you know who is thankful every time you say no at the right time and every time you say yes at the right time and you talk to people about Jesus at any time? God is appreciation for what you do, even when nobody else sees it. Do you know who is appreciative that you gave up an hour and a half on Monday night to come to small group Bible study? God is. You know why? Because you're setting an example for your family. How are they going to know if there is nobody there to teach them? Paul writes this to the Romans in Romans chapter 10, verse number 13. He says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one who they have not believed in? 
And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without somebody preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. In the eyes of Jesus, Christian, you have beautiful feet. You've got some amazingly beautiful feet because the way you act and the words you say point others to Jesus. And for that, through the eyes of Christ, you are appreciated. Here's the next point in your notes this morning. Through the eyes of Jesus, you are reconciled. What does that mean, to be reconciled? If you've got two tribes living in the same land, they've been fighting for years, but now they have reconciled, right? Now you have two tribes that have found peace and have found a way to live friendly relations together. Let's call a spade a spade. Who of us deserves, deserves to be in a friendly relationship with God? How many of us have earned that? You think people have wronged you. <laughs> Let's think about how we have wronged God. But through the eyes of Jesus, we are reconciled. Mark Driscoll writes this. He says, since God plans for all Christians from all diverse types of backgrounds on earth to live harmoniously together in heaven forever, he has had to reconcile us with him. What does that say about us? He says that if Christ sees us as reconciled, we must also see others as reconciled. Paul writes this in Romans chapter 5, verse number 10. Paul writes, For if, while we were, were, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death, death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. In the eyes of Jesus, you have been reconciled. Do you know what you deserve? Do you know what we deserve when it comes to our relationship with God? I'll stop right there. Because what you deserve, it doesn't matter anymore. What you deserve doesn't matter because you have been reconciled. Your account has been wiped clean. That is being reconciled. Let me tell you another fact about the way that Jesus sees you. This is the fourth point that I want you to write down. This is so important. Through the eyes of Jesus, you are victorious. Through the eyes of Jesus, you are victorious. You've heard this. That the same power that literally brought a dead man out of a grave, that same power lives inside you. Do you feel it? It's hard to feel that sometimes, right? But it's there. You've never seen a dead man walk out of a grave, have you? You never have, but it happened. 
it happened. The same power lives in you. Paul writes this to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 1, verse number 18. Watch this. Paul says this, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. It's the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Power that raised Jesus from the grave lives in you. In my lifetime, I can remember the very first time that I recognized power. You might be, some of you might be too young to remember a group who toured in the 80s. It was a group called the Power Team. Anyone remember the Power Team? Some? Not a lot, I know, because I've, 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 I've got a younger group here. The Power Team... They were amazing. They were these gr this group of guys that looked like they just walked out of Gold's Gym up on a stage at a youth event at a church, and they traveled around, and, and they did these, these huge events. And for three hours, you and all of the youth from your youth team, you've spent hours in a van to get here, and you went to see the power team. And now you're watching them on stage. These men are so strong. They are, they are bending metal. They are, they are breaking through blocks of ice. There'd be a guy that would lay down with a, a center block on him, and another guy would smash it with a sledgehammer, and, and he'd, be, he'd be fine. The power team, they were strong. But probably one of the biggest displays of power that I recognized in my youth from the power team was when one of these guys, who he looked like the Incredible Hulk on steroids, okay? I mean, this guy was huge. He went up front in front of this group of 300 teenagers with one thing in his hand. He walks up with a phone book. Now, for those of you who are under 35 years old, let me tell you what a phone book is. It's these pages of paper that have written on them names, and phone numbers, no, it's, it's not inside your phone. No, it was a literal book that had pages and pages of phone numbers in it. And this phone book was about five inches thick. They were like this, right? You used phone books. Those were booster seats for the kids, remember? If the kids weren't tall enough to sit at the table, you went and you got a phone book because they're this big. And this guy waved his arms at the crowd and everyone would get quiet. And he took this five-inch phone book in his hands and he ripped the entire thing in half. Just ripped the entire thing in half. Not like opening it up and ripping it down the spine, uh-uh. All of the pages of the phone book. And to me, in my mind, that was power. And I grew up in an age where the space shuttle was all that every kid talked about in the early 80s. The space shuttle, it is this display of power taking a man-made object off of the earth. But nothing compared in my mind to watching a guy rip through a phone book in his, with his bare hands. If you were to put me in a competition with a five-inch phone book, let me tell you who's going to win that. Not me. I'm going to lose to a phone book every single time. 
I'm going to lose. The phone book is going to be the victor. But in the eyes of Jesus, you are victorious. In 1 John 5, 4, John writes this, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world. Here it is, our faith. Our faith. John 16, 33 says this, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. 1 Corinthians 15 says this, Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Watch this. <laughs> death, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power, but thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. You are victorious. Our world very well might look at you as a loser. It might. It might look at you and your family and your kids and your neighbors and your neighborhood. Maybe it looks at, down on your city. Maybe it looks down at, on everything that you are and says, you don't add up because they don't value. They put everyone on a scale. You're not as good as them, right, in their eyes. You're not worth their time. Through the eyes of Jesus, he sees you as victorious. He sees you of having unmeasurable worth. I'm going to give you one more point before we bring this home in application this morning. And this is so important. Through the eyes of Jesus, you are loved. There's nobody in this world that loves you the way that Jesus does. As much as your mom loves you, as much as your dad loves you, your brothers, your sisters, girlfriends, boyfriends, husband, wives, the person who loves you the most in this world doesn't even come close to the amount of love that Jesus has for you. Doesn't even come close. Do you know why? You know why? It's because God's love for you is unconditional. As humans, we live in a world based on conditions, right? If you do this, I will do this. If you do this, somebody will love you like this. Our work is based on conditions. Our paycheck is based on conditions. Our school grades are based on conditions. Your bedtime is based on conditions. Whether you're young or old, right? It's based on conditions. The way the world sees you is based on conditions. But God's love for you is unconditional. I'm going to read this verse, and you've heard this time and time again from Romans chapter 8, verse number 37 reads like this. No, 
Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And, my, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Through the eyes of Jesus, your identity is that of someone who is loved. Wow. When was the last time that you looked at you the same way Jesus looks at you? Because when Jesus looks at you, he sees somebody who is loved. Jesus sees somebody who is victorious. Jesus sees somebody who is reconciled. Jesus sees somebody who is appreciated. Jesus looks at you and he sees a saint. When was the last time you looked at you the way that Jesus looks at you? That's your true identity. Let me tell you something. The way Jesus sees you, he's never going to stop looking at you like that. He's never going to stop seeing you like that. The original title of this sermon was A New Identity. But today it's not about a new identity. It's not. Rather, it's about recognizing the identity that we already have. It's about recognizing ourselves the way that God recognizes us. And I bet not only do we fall short of God's glory, but we fall short of seeing ourselves the way that God sees us. How much more confidence would we have if we saw ourselves the way that God sees us? If we saw ourselves as loved, as victorious, as appreciated. Here's my question. How victorious do you feel? How appreciated do you feel? How loved do you feel? Because every single one of those qualities is immeasurable in the eyes of Jesus. That's how he sees you. Why don't we see ourselves the same way that Jesus sees us? We want to talk about using Christ's example for our lives. And we've talked about how hard I know living Christ-like is, but maybe living Christ-like starts with seeing ourselves the way that Christ sees us. But what happens is that we tell ourselves that we're not good enough to be loved unconditionally. Why do we let the world's system of value become our system of self-value? 
If you are trying to win the world's value of you, you are going to lose every time. Because the world chooses, either by luck or by chance or by coincidence, its value of you. There is no benchmark of the world's value. There is no stationary, unmovable definition like there is of God's love. If you're waiting on society or you're waiting on Twitter or culture to accept you for eternity, you're going to be waiting for an eternity. Just ask the people who society and culture and Twitter have accepted in the past, who lost their grace in society. Ask them if the world's love is conditional or not. I bet you they'll tell you, yep, the world's love is absolutely conditional. As long as you're willing to give culture and society and Twitter everything that it wants, it will accept you as long as it feels like it. That's as long as you meet the world's conditions, society's conditions. It'll love you for a little while. That is, until it doesn't. Until it changes its mind on what its conditions are. Why are we trying to live to obtain approval from a world and a culture and a society that changes its mind every single hour? Why are we trying to obtain approval from a world that purposefully and willfully suppresses truth and tries to create its own truth out of falsehoods? It loves masks. God doesn't. You know what God loves? You. You don't need a mask. God already loves you with an unmeasurable amount of love that cannot be counted, that cannot be eliminated, and it cannot be stopped. God appreciates you with an unmeasurable amount of appreciation that cannot be counted, that cannot be eliminated, and it cannot be stopped. God is reconciled with you with an immeasurable amount of reconciliation that cannot be counted and it cannot be measured and it cannot be eliminated and it cannot be stopped. The world can't stop it. You can't stop it. And God has blessed you with an immeasurable amount of victory that cannot be counted, that cannot be eliminated, and it cannot be stopped. To this world, you're just another sinner. But to Jesus, my friends, you are another saint. You are a saint this morning it's not about a new identity in christ because your identity in christ is not new he has always looked at you like this it's about us recognizing the way that jesus sees us we say this all the time 
We say, let's treat others the way that Jesus treats us, right? We say that. That's an action. Absolutely, that's needed. But what if we looked at others, simply looked at others the way that Jesus looks at us? With an immeasurable amount of love, not value love, not discount love with an immeasurable amount of reconciliation, not discount reconciliation, not value reconciliation. What about with an immeasurable amount of appreciation to everyone you know? But what about an immeasurable amount of appreciation for yourself? that's where it starts. If we're going to look at other people the way that Jesus looks at us, we need to know how it is that Jesus looks at us. And it doesn't change. God does not change. And for that, we can be eternally thankful. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you this morning. I want to thank you for never changing. I want to thank you. to see us the way that you see us. We want to see other people the way that you see us, Lord, but maybe we need to start by seeing us the way you do. By seeing us with an immeasurable amount of worth and knowing that we are not value children. We're not discount. No. Our worth to you is immeasurable. It doesn't have a low end or a high end. And Lord, I thank you so much that all of our brothers and sisters stand here with immeasurable love as well. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the fact that we are not discount children to you. Lord, I thank you this morning for the opportunity to come together as a church. For those who are watching online, Lord, I pray that that they will reach out. I know it seems like from our living rooms that it's hard to connect, but thank you for giving us a way to connect. Lord, I thank you for Allie, who is in our chat rooms right now, ready to pray with anyone. I know that digital seems foreign compared to where we were, but thank you for giving us the opportunity to connect in a digital world. Lord, this morning, we thank you for victory. That no matter how many times we feel that we lose or we've lost, 
Maybe our, our, our losses are, those are in the world's system. Those aren't in your system. You've told us we're victorious. Thank you for victory. Lord, this morning, we're just thankful to be in your presence. We're thankful for our church family. And I pray that everyone here, in-house, on paris.online.church, digital.online.church, Facebook, YouTube, that everyone recognizes their value. That it's not about value, but we recognize our worth, the difference between value and worth. Hold your head up high this morning because you are a child of God and he loves you immeasurably. It's in your name we pray.